0: Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I like to preach about Christmas. All right, but the Lord had laid on my heart a while back about going through the book of 1 Corinthians. All right, and, and I kicked and fussed and squabbled all week, but we're staying in 1 Corinthians. So that's where the Lord put us, all right? Uh, uh, so if you want to hear a Christmas sermon, you have to come to the Sunday night service, all right? But but we're picking up in in 1 Corinthians 10. We've talked about in the first uh, four or five chapters, uh, we talked about God's gifts to the church, how he had given uh, those to to speak and lead. He had given the the gifts of his spirit. He had given the gift of uh, his authority in our lives. I mean, his uh, uh, leadership in our lives. And we, for several chapters, talked about God's authority in the church and how he has the right to demand of us a certain pattern of living, a certain lifestyle, um, that we should reverence Him and the things that we do. And uh, last week we began to take up in the middle of chapter nine, God's guidance to the church. And one and of the ways that God guides us, particularly, is through the patterns of Scripture. Many times, I've been so grateful to God because of His willingness to show us what failure looks like. Are you ever thankful for that? That you can look at scripture and God shows you what failure looks like. That his great people, his chosen people, that he takes throughout the history of Israel and he will show us over and over again how they failed. Why should we be grateful for that? Because we know that God is not telling us some kind of fairy tale. God is not telling us something that is to to, to be taken lightly. But he is showing us the genuine history of his grace. All throughout the Old Testament, we see the rise and fall of God's people and even into the New Testament and even throughout the history of the church. Since then, we see these patterns take place. And one of the things that we see in 1 Corinthians 10 is that warning to not be as some of them were. Now, we're going to do this. Keep your Bibles open to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read down through verse 17 but we're going to hit some other verses uh, as we, we go through the sermon today. So keep your Bible open there. By the way, if you follow along in the app, I apologize. I didn't get the app uh, outline set up this week. So, uh, so, but we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll read down through verse 17. Stand with me if you will. And we're going to read the first 17 verses. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our example. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 failed. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you, you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, I speak as as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Father, we thank you for calling us to be a part of your body, for calling us to be uh, your representation in this world. And Father, we pray that as we gather together in your name, under your word, by your spirit, that it would be through your heart that we hear and speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. The pattern of Scripture, that God gives us this example, he says there very clearly in this passage that he's given us these things that we might have an example. Sometimes the greatest lesson we can learn is the lesson of what not to do. Amen? That we see those failures of another person or, or another group, and we understand that, okay, that's not the way we want to go. Uh, when I was in school, I don't know if they still do this or not, but every year they'd have a, a, a drunk driving awareness campaign once a year, and they would drag a, a, a car from the junkyard that had been involved in a horrendous accident, and they'd set it out in the football field or something, and they'd put ketchup all over students or whatever it was so it looked like they were y'all remember any, everybody ever see that some of you do some of you think I'm crazy alright but anyway that's another story alright they used to do that and, and, and the reason for that was so that people would see hey this is what could happen this is what could happen if I made that mistake if I went down that road if, if I made that choice to do what these people have done this is a very real possibility of what could happen to me well we see that in scripture not drunk drivers but You know, people who who don't behave as they should, people who don't follow the precautions that God had given them and walk away from the truth of the word and do as they choose to do instead of what God intends for them to do. And that goes back to the heart of the problem that was in the Corinthian church, and that was a need for unity. There was a great division, there was a great divide among what they believed to be true and what they did not believe to be true. But they were all part of the same group. Paul reminds them here, the Holy Spirit reminds them through the Apostle Paul that they were part of the same group, but they did not all have the same faith just as they did in the Old Testament. Think about Israel, that they came out of Egypt. Moses led them out of Egypt, and what began to happen? They all were part of the same group. He said they were all baptized into Moses. They were all under the, under the uh, cloud and under the sea. They were all moving in the same direction, but not all of them believed. Not all of them believed that God was who He said He was. Not all of them believed that God could do what He said He could do. Not all of them believed that God was going to bring them where He said He was going to bring them. And they began to squabble. And they began to fuss. And they began to kick. And they began to moan. And they began to say, oh, woe is me. Because they had no faith. Look at what it says there in verse uh, 5. It says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. Well, what does Scripture say about that? Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, without What? Faith, it is impossible to please God. So I can draw from understanding of Scripture that these people, though they went behind Moses, they were baptized into Moses, meaning being a part of what Moses was doing. Though they were under the same cloud that led them by day and the fire by night, though they were moving in the same direction, though they went through the same dry land of the Red Sea that they crossed across, uh, n- not all of them believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. They doubted and they did not have the faith that they should have, amen? So, so Paul here draws the analogy to say this, you are in the same boat. God is not pleased with the lifestyle that some of you have chosen. God is not pleased with the way some of you are living. God is not content to leave you in that and he wants to move you in a better direction. And, and he gives him some very, them some very specific Examples in this passage of scripture. Verse six, he warns them against greed. He said, now these things became examples to us to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Lust for evil things is one of the key components of sin. Bible breaks sin down into three categories, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the eye, seeing what we want and wanting to take it even though it's not ours. The lust of the flesh, desiring physical pleasure even if it's opposed to the will of God. The pride of life, wanting power or authority of another person. We see that in this passage of Scripture that they lusted after evil things. God was not pleased. When we live by the flesh and not by the Spirit, we do not please God. Does that mean God doesn't like us? No, God still likes you. God still loves you. But it breaks God's heart to see you move in a direction that is not intended for you to go. We mentioned some of that, talking about that in Sunday school this morning. Some of the decisions that churches are making today that are just, uh, I don't believe God is pleased with. They've moved away from the word of God and the will of God and the spirit of God. And they begin to cater to the flesh. I had an interesting conversation. I keep saying this. I may have said it in the pulpit last week, but it happened again this week. I've been praying intentionally that God would put people before me that I might be able to share the gospel with and I might be able to share the truth. I've had some interesting conversations with people just this week. I had a fellow talk to me the other day, came up to me out of the blue. I had no idea anything was going on in his life. I thought he was just as content as he ever was, just a nice guy and he came up and he just started to begin to tell me that he was miserable where he was going to church. And I won't tell you where it was or what was going on, but he just said, you know, he said, I love this part about it, I love this part about it, but it's just not real. He said, it's like watching a stage show. And a lot of our churches have gone to that. You know, we want everything to be a production. I learned something way back and I probably shared this before, but I'm gonna say it again. We treat church like the preacher is the performer and you're the audience and God's the director. That's not church, that's a play. You can go see Peter Pan live on Broadway. You wanna see a play, watch Tinkerbell flit around all over the place if you want to, All right, That's a play. What we do is worship. God is the audience. The music leader, the pastor is the director and you are the performer. And you are to take the directions of the script that we've been given and to live that out in your life in a daily daily way so that god is pleased with your performance notice i say performance and not act Eh? because it's not an act it's to be real (coughs) excuse me but we see that in this passage of scripture That God was not pleased with all of them. As he was not pleased with all the Israelites. He's not pleased with all the the church of Corinth. He's not pleased with all of us for these reasons. Greed. Idolatry. Verse 7. He says, and do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, they said, people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, this is directly out of scripture. This is where Moses went up into the mountain and, and communed with God. And God said, go back down for there's a sound of revelry. There's a sound of, of a party going on. You go back down and see what, what these people have done. And Moses came back down the mountain. And he saw what was going on. Excuse me. And uh, he saw what was happening there. And Joshua, if you recall, in, this, in the Old Testament there, he said, it is the sound of war. And Moses said, no, it is the sound of revelry. Moses was gone for a little while, and all the people got together and they fussed at Aaron. They said, We need something to worship. We need something to bow down to. So they took all their earrings and stuff. You remember this story? They melted them down. They made themselves a golden calf, and they said, Oh, great and mighty calf that led us out of Egypt. What? That's idolatry. I, I would I feel real safe and saying there's not a person sitting in Monroe Street Church this morning that has a golden calf at your house that you go home and bow down to. I feel real confident in that this morning. But you very well may t- tend toward idolatry. Because it doesn't have to be a calf of gold, it could be anything. This time of year in particular, idolatry and greed tend to rise up within us. Christmas itself can become an idol. Unto itself apart from God, because we get so caught up in the business and the uh, having to do this and having to get this. Somebody put it this way. They say you spend money you don't have for things you don't need for people you don't like. You know? And, and, and that's the way it is a lot of times that we, we stress ourselves out because of all that's going on. That's idolatry. He warns against that. Verse 8, he warns against sexual immorality. And this is directly again from. The Israelites, as they fled from Egypt and some things took place, verse, uh, um, verse 8 there, let me read again, it says, nor commit sexual immorality, some of them did, 23,000 failed. That's directly from Numbers 25, where they began to commit spiritual and physical harlotry with the people of Moab, and they began to take their women and give their women uh, to the people of Moab, and there were all these things that were going on, and God smote them down, and 23,000 of them failed. He warned them against an ungrateful spirit there in verse nine, lest you tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the destroyer. Again, Numbers 21, uh, the serpents came in and and destroyed many of them. Warned against God uh, disbelief in God's promises. Verse 10 says, nor complain. Uh Uh-oh. Let's pause there for a second. We don't have a golden calf problem. You probably don't have a sexual immorality problem. You, you, you may not have a greed problem, but we all kind of have a complaining problem once in a while. We all tend to take our eyes off of the blessings that God's given us and look at this problem over here that we're having to contend with. And I'm just pointing at this side because there's more of you I'm just, no. You know, no, that, that we have a, a problem to contend with and we take our eyes off of what's important And we focus on that and we begin it. Now these people, the context of this right here is in in Numbers chapter 14. Where Joshua and Caleb and the 12 spies had gone into Canaan. You know that story, don't you? And they came back with this, this great abundance of the fruit of the land and all these things. And they said, it is just as God said it was. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But there's a lot of big scary guys over there. Let's go back to Egypt. Except Joshua and Caleb, they didn't say that. The other ten spies said that. But the people began to murmur and complain against Moses and they wanted to go back to to slavery and all this stuff. And all this why do I why does God point all this out in this passage of scripture? So that we know what not to do. Look at the Israelites, look at what happened to them, look at their bodies strolling across the wilderness over 40 years, look at them wandering around, not knowing where they were going, look at them as they were provided for, God gave them manna and quail and water and all the things that they needed, but they never got to see the promised land. They never got the fullness of what God had promised them. And when we give in to lust and greed and idolatry and immorality and an ungrateful spirit and we fuss and we murmur and we complain, we miss out on all the great things that God has thrown in our lap. We push the blessings out of the way so we can find that one thing to fuss about. Why do we do that? God says not to. God says grab hold of the things that he has given us, the blessings that he has poured out upon us. Be warned by these past failures, but also be watchful in your present circumstances. Look at verse 12 and 13 there. It says, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common unto man. But God is faithful, who will not not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but with the temptation we will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We've got to be aware of our limits. He says, be careful that you think you've got it together because just when you think you've got it together, you don't got it together. That's a bad image, but it's a good theology. All right? It always is the overconfident, the overly self-confident that lose self-control. Think about it. It's always one who thinks he can do it all, that loses it. That's in the power, the realm of power and authority. That's the one who thinks he's got it all together and can, can accomplish everything without any help from anybody else. He's the one who hits the hardest when he falls. I, I think about this, and my, y'all know my brain don't work like everybody else's, but my dad used to tell me, I used to always want a motorcycle. We were talking about that. Last night, my dad had a, a, a Honda Goldwing when I was about 13, 14 years old. and He, he got hurt, ended up having to, to sell The motorcycle broke my heart. I I didn't like that my dad got hurt, but it really broke my heart because he sold the motorcycle because it was going to be mine, you know? And uh, he would tell me all the time. He said, it's the guys that think they know how to handle these things that have the most accidents. And and if you watch YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. It's that dummy that that pops up. He's going to ride a wheelie down the interstate and all of a sudden he's turning flips and banging off the side of cars, you know? It's the ones who think they have it all together that lose it. And that's what the passage of Scripture warns. It says, be watchful in your present circumstances. Understand that if you think you've got it together, if you think you've got everything just like you want it, you're about to make a mistake. You're going to slip and you're going to fall and you're going to fall hard.
1: Be aware
0: of your limits. All of us have limits for a reason. Because we are part of one body. If we could do it all, God wouldn't need but one of us. But none of us can do it all. We need each other. So we have to be aware of limits. We have to be aware of the methods in which we are led astray. He says there in verse 13, the first part, he says, uh, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common demand. Now I want to tell you, this is one of the most abused and misused verses of Scripture in all the Bible. This is the verse that people loosely base the the phrase on God ain't going to give you more than you can handle. How many of you said that? You ain't going to confess this morning, are you? But you've said it. I've said it. All of it at some point. God ain't going to give you more than you can handle. Yes, He will. Yes, He will. He will give you so much that you have to turn to Him. Because if you could handle it, then you wouldn't need God. But you cannot handle it. But we take this passage of Scripture out of context. And what the Scripture is actually saying is there's no temptation given to you except the same temptation that people have faced throughout history, throughout the the creation of mankind. But God's not going to allow you to be tempted without giving you a way out of that temptation. He is the way out. Dependence upon Him is the way out. Turning from wickedness is the way out. Repenting of your sin is the way out. The method is this. It is common unto man. Your temptations are not special. I've had people look me in the eye, preacher, you just don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But God does. And it's nothing that somebody else hasn't already gone through. There is no temptation given unto you except that which is common unto man. Everybody at some point is going to face some kind of temptation. Your temptation is not special, but guess what? You are. You are special. So special that God would say, you know what? I see your temptation. I know your temptation and I have provided you a way of escape. I've given you a way out. I've opened the door that you might flee from this temptation. So we have to be aware of God's faithfulness in this. Look at this. Now, I love this picture that it paints. I'm gonna read it again, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not, not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also provide a way of escape. How many of you ever flown on an airplane? First thing they do, they do is the, the, the stewardess, that's not, well, no, not st- flight attendant, I'm sorry. Gets up and shows you how to buckle your seat belt and tells you all these instructions. They go, and here's the exit, and there's the exit. In case of emergency, your seat could be used as a flotation device. I don't understand that anyway. But they show you how to get out. If there's a problem, here's the exit. When we were building the church in Folsom after our church had burned, one of the things we had to do constantly was being in contact with the fire marshal and the people with, uh, uh, that, that did the regulations because you had to have so many what they call points of egress. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a nice poetic little word, point of egress? You know what it means? A way out. God has not allowed you to go through anything that he has not given you a point of egress. He, he's, he's given you a map and he said, here's how you get out of it. So we've got to be aware of God's faithfulness. Not only do we see the examples in the Old Testament, not only are are we warned through these past failures, but we have to be watchful in our present circumstances. And last of all, we've got to be willing to practice humility. Verse 14 through 17, he says, Therefore flee from idolatry. I speak to you as wise men. Uh, He talks about the cup of communion, that we are all part of one body, one fellowship. We're all brought together. We need to put Christ first in our fellowship. He should be foremost in everything that we do. But, but read on down. He, he, I won't read all this, but verses 18 through 30, Paul clarifies again the thing about meat uh, sacrifice to idols and how we should live in accordance to, to all that. And way down in verse 23, he says this. Read this if you still got your Bible open. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify Let no one seek his own but the other's well-being. What is he saying there? We've got to be willing to sacrifice our own momentary pleasures for the eternal joys of salvation. He said, I can do anything I want, but that don't mean I should. It goes back to what we had said before. Just because you can something don't mean you should do something. Not everything, I mean, you're allowed to do whatever you want, but God is not glorified in everything that you do, and you are not edified in everything that you do. So we need to practice clean living, practice a good conscience, and prioritize our lives. I'll close with this. Look down verse 31. It says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also uh, please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And verse one of chapter eleven says this: "Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ." Four things there, real quick. Give God glory. Give God glory. I used to wear caps a lot. I don't blame my baldness on that. That's just a heredity thing. Okay. But I used to work out, I had one for a long time. I had a little G and a big G and a little G. Because I was, I was original gangster. No, it, it was, it was, a, it was, some of y'all got that. It was uh, give God glory. Little G, big G, little G. Give God glory. That's what it stood for. Everything that we do should give God glory. That's what he says there in this passage of scripture. He says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, give glory to God. We should keep a good name before those inside and outside the church. He says that we should put others first. He says give no offense either to Jews or Greeks or Church of God. I want to tell you, this time of year, it's real easy to intentionally offend people because you are offended. Huh? By humbug, yeah. Just because somebody else doesn't celebrate Christmas. Have you been down that road? You're in in Walmart, you're in the store somewhere, happy holidays, and Merry Christmas to you. I believe in Christmas, it's about Jesus. Spread the joy, right? But a lot of us do that. It's easy to offend those. Now, that doesn't mean that we compromise our principles. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning about not bowing down to the things of the world. But at the same time, you don't go around intentionally trying to isolate people from the gospel. You want to reach people with the gospel. Keeping a good name before those that are inside and outside the church, seeking the lost at all costs. He said, just as I also, I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, or the profit of many, that they might be saved. The goal again is to see people come to Christ. And we are to strive to be an example to others. That verse one of chapter 11 goes with this. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That, my friends, is bold. We are wimpy, wimpy, wimpy when it comes to our Christianity sometimes. Agreed? Amen? We are apologetic, and, and, and we, we skirt back, and we act like, you know, we're, gonna, we, we're just afraid to tell anybody about Jesus. We don't want to insult somebody by uh, uh, talking to them about their sin. Now, again, not in an offensive way. He doesn't say go bang them on the head with the Bible. He says to be unoffensive, but approach them. Uh, I, I love, as we've been going through this, this, this book of the Bible, there have been many conversations I've had with some of you that, hey, you know, that hits home. We understand where that comes from. And you, know, and, and you don't have to back down from it because it's in the Bible. It's a truth. But you don't have to be the condemner of that person either. But oftentimes we, we, we get away from that and we, we, we wimp out, we back up, and we say, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to come across as judgmental. Paul's not being judgmental. He just says, hey, look at me and do what I'm doing. That's bold. That's, that's not prideful. Because he's explaining through, all throughout here. I'm striving to be sacrificial. I'm striving to give my life to Christ. I'm striving to put other people first. I want to give God glory in everything that I do. Now look, follow me. You ever get excited about something? No? Okay. How do we talk about that last week? About people that are passionate about what they do. When you are passionate about the things that you just, come on, you know? You just want to grab people by their their shirt and say, follow me. You don't know the half of what you're in for. Paul wanted these people to go on this adventure with him. He wanted them to see the fullness of Christ. He wanted them to see the fullness of the kingdom of, of God. And he wanted to know that they understood the richness that God offers. Church, I want to tell you this morning, God offers you more than you can ask or imagine. If you just come to him and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have trials, but you are going to have joy like you've never had in your life.